It's Wednesday, everyone, and it's 10 o'clock, and I'm Tim Harris. That means it's time for Tim with Tim. Uh, we go verse by verse through the Word of God. We uh, do this on Monday through Friday, 10 o'clock, if you want to be live with me. Otherwise, these broadcasts live forever on Facebook, on my page there, or YouTube, my page there, my channel there. Or uh, you'll find audio podcasts on Spotify or anywhere else where you uh, listen to audio podcasts. So if you just want to uh, have 10 minutes on the Word of God each day, uh, then let me be your guide. And we can do this together. And uh, everything's better together, right? Uh, that's the lesson in Acts chapter 10. Everything is better together. But boy, it's a hard lesson for some of us to learn. This is one of the most pivotal uh, chapters, one of the most pivotal stories in all of scripture for the simple way that it absolutely explodes human assumptions about God, about people, about the gospel. And, uh, and you can tell it doesn't come easily from either side. It's the story of Peter's encounter with a man named Cornelius. Now, the fact that Peter's already staying, he's in Joppa, he's staying at the home of Simon the Tanner. Um, uh, the fact that he's a tanner, that means he works with leather. So uh, I, I'm not sure about this, but my hunch is that this in itself is a sign of Peter's expanding sensibilities, you know, because I, I think that strictly speaking, a Jewish, you know, holy man probably wouldn't stay in the home of someone, you know, who deals with carcasses, with, you know, with, with dead animals, with dead hides. But the tanner's doing exactly that. And I, and I think that in itself is, is interesting from a Jewish perspective. Uh, but, but while he is there, some amazing things happen. First off, in Caesarea, there's a Roman centurion named uh, Cornelius. He's a God-fearer, which means he is um, a worshiper of the, the Jewish God. However, he is a Gentile. Uh, and everyone in his household is, is, is devout. Uh, about three o'clock in the afternoon, in a time of prayer and a vision, he sees an angel of God that calls him by name and says that God has received his, his prayers, his, his, his gifts for the poor, and uh, instructs Cornelius to send messengers to Joppa to bring Simon uh, Peter back to his house to deliver a message. And so that's what he does. That's really interesting. The Holy Spirit uh, is, is the middleman here and first off instructs Cornelius to send for Peter. Now, meanwhile, while Peter is on the roof of the house of Simon the Tanner, uh, Peter has an amazing vision right about lunchtime. <laughs> right about lunchtime. He sees the sky open and something like a big sheet coming down with four corners spread. And uh, all these animals, reptiles, birds, uh, understand these are clean and unclean animals uh, with an emphasis on unclean animals. Remember, the Jews had very strict dietary laws, which come from the Old Testament. They come from the Old Testament. <clears throat> Let's just be clear about that. Uh, but the, the voice of the Lord says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, oh, Lord, I've never, you know, I never would. I never have, I never would, you, you know. Um, I think it's really interesting and complicated here, and I guess we could talk days about it, but it, it's just that idea here that Peter's religion gets in the way of his obeying what God says do, you know? It's probably a bad sign for you and your religion when your religion gets in the way of your obedience to God, and, and I think that's interesting 
how some of us can become so tied to our religion that we would actually, you know, argue with the voice of the Lord. Lord, I've never, I never would. And uh, same visions repeated three times because uh, a man's mind is a really, really difficult thing to change, you know. But that's where it kind of ends. The sheet goes up to heaven. About that time, uh, Cornelius's messengers arrive and they tell the whole story about, you know, Cornelius and the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit's already told him, go with them without hesitation. So Peter goes down and uh, he ends up uh, going with them to the house of Cornelius. They get there in Caesarea the following day. I think it's interesting. Cornelius has called everybody he knows, all of his family and friends, all of whom seem to be, you know, th that same orientation toward the, the God of the Jews or God-fearers. And so Peter comes in. I, I love First Peter talks in verse 28. Uh, it's kind of awkward <laughs> because Peter's basically saying, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird that I'm here. I feel kind of weird about being here. And then Cornelius gives a little awkward talk in verse 30 where he says, yeah, you know, this is kind of weird for me too. <laughs> and it really is weird. It really is weird because Jews have always been raised to think of themselves uh, of, as God's chosen people. And they're chosen in the functional sense that they have a, a specific role to play in salvation history. But it never meant that God loved them more. It never meant that they were more somehow uh, favored you know, from a, from a salvation perspective, from a gospel perspective than, than anybody else. God chose to work through the Jewish people. It's a functional decision, you know, uh, but he always loves the world. God loves the world. And, and from the very beginning, he said, you know, Abraham, I'll make you father of many nations, you know, and you're going to be a blessing to many nations. But the Jews never really got that many nations part. You know, it was the Jews, us, and everybody else, like Jews, Gentiles. Gentiles is a word for literally everybody else, every other race on the face of the earth. They go in one big pile, Gentiles. We're the Jews, you know? And honestly, if you know a whole lot about the ancient world, you know, from the outside perspective, the Jews weren't well thought of. They thought that they were weird. They thought that they were cultists, you know, this one God thing in a, in a Greek world where you worship a pantheon of gods. The whole idea of circumcision seemed absolutely, you know, uh, savage. And, and, and so, again, Jews and Gentiles, they don't do this. And that's why for a minute Cornelius says, yeah, you know, I, it, it took a message from God for me to call you over. And, and you know, Peter says, yeah, well, it took a message from God to get me here, you know. Uh, but from that point, uh, Cornelius says, well, we're all here now, so we want to hear the message God has given you. And Peter preaches the gospel. Notice what he says in verse 34. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Well, he didn't see it very clearly two days ago, <laughs> you know. But now he says, I see clearly, praise God, you know, that he's learned to see that. I mean, understand, Peter was racist until God literally changed the way he thought about other races. You know, I mean, this is, you know, among other things, a story about a, a, a racist whose heart is changed toward other races. Uh, don't you love knowing that can happen? Because don't we need a whole lot of that in our community, in our world today? I mean, uh, growing up, you know, as a white man in a Southern culture, I often just think of, you know, the black-white racial divide. But I'm telling you, racism will change faces and 
uh, change positions so quickly. You know, about the time you know you break down one wall, somebody's going to build another one. We have a thousand ways to divide ourselves from one another. But what Peter says here, literally in the Greek, is I see very clearly that God, God doesn't receive the face of a person. You know, it goes back to what you know we read together in Samuel, where where God says, you know, people look on the outside, but God sees the heart. God doesn't receive the face of a person. He doesn't in any way, you know, make distinctions based on, you know, the color of skin or anything else that would divide us, you know, physically, biologically. It just doesn't make any sense. God doesn't receive the face of a person. God shows and has no favorites. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Now Peter's got it and he preaches the gospel. Uh, I, I love it. I, I love what he says there. Verse 42 is an important verse. Verse 42, he says, he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. Notice that the gospel shows us that there are two kinds of people, the living and the dead, you know, the lost and the saved, you, you, you might say. Um, but, you know, racist, you know, or, or in many ways, all of us just think of ourselves in terms of, you know, people like me and then y'all, <laughs> you know, it's like us and them. You know, we're the Democrats, Republicans. I mean, we have a thousand ways to divide ourselves. But from a gospel perspective, there's only two divisions, you know, lost and saved, living and dead, spiritually speaking. And this is what Peter says. This is what the gospel says. So it don't matter. It just doesn't matter. Anything about race doesn't matter, you know. And as pastor in a southern, you know, southern church, you know, for 26 years, you know, I have occasionally, you know, had that parent, you know, who's freaking out because, you know, their daughters brought home a, a boy of another race. And um, my goodness, who cares? Are they Christian? <laughs> you know, I mean, they're literally parents, you know, Christian parents who are much more upset if their son or daughter dates, a, you know, someone of a different race than, you know, someone who doesn't, you know, share their faith. I mean, you don't have to share the skin color, but you do have to share their faith. You know, you can date outside your race. You may not date outside the faith. I mean, you know, it's just bizarre to me that, that Christians still, after all of these years, after all of this, that the Holy Spirit goes through to break down the wall between Cornelius and Peter, how quickly we'll build the wall right back up. Uh, he is the one all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Everyone, you see that? Jesus is Lord of all. So if we profess that Jesus is Lord of all, then there can't be barriers between us and other people. He's the Lord of all. And incidentally, the Greek word there for all, it means all. <laughs> all. He's the Lord of all. So you and I don't get to make other distinctions. He's the Lord of all. All. You understand? So there's this worldwide fellowship of all who call upon his name. If you believe in Jesus and I believe in Jesus, you and I are brothers. It doesn't matter what else you can say that, that might make us different. If Jesus, if the Holy Spirit brings us together, the blood of Jesus you know, brings us both together, then there's nothing else that can separate us. There's this worldwide fellowship of believers. And beyond that, this worldwide witness, you know, this worldwide witness, he orders us to preach everywhere, Peter says. He orders us to preach everywhere, to every tongue, every tribe, every nation. And, and I love it. So at the end of all this, actually, while he's still talking, the Holy Spirit comes down, you know, because I don't, 
know how long it's going to take Peter to come around and offer an actual invitation, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit does it for him. The Holy Spirit comes down and Peter can't deny, nobody else can deny that, man, Jesus just called these people his own. And so uh, Peter gives the orders and says, hey, baptize those people. They are our brothers and sisters. And after that, Cornelius said, hey, why don't you stay here in our house and, uh, and eat at my table for several days, which is something Peter's probably never done in his life. But in the course of 48 verses, Peter is a different man. Uh, it's just a subtle reminder there that, uh, gosh, the Holy Spirit's really never done uh, doing his work in any of our hearts. And if he can change Peter uh, and uh, the things that needed to be rooted out of Peter's heart, then he can root some of those same things out of my heart and yours. Surrender to the Spirit, brothers and sisters, because we've all still got a lot of a lot of learning to do, a lot of changes to make in order to be more and more and more like Jesus. Uh, who is, of course, the Lord of all. I love you so much. We'll pick up right there. Peter's going to have some explaining to do to the other Jews who did not have his vision. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, it's not funny. It's actually terrible. But but when the Lord calls me, he never calls me loud enough for everybody else to hear. And everybody else is saying, Peter, what are you doing? You just stayed at a Gentile house and ate his food. You know, you got some explaining to do. And of course, Peter's going to explain it. Uh, in gospel terms that uh, no true believer can argue with. We'll pick up there tomorrow. Chapter 11, verses 1 to 30. Went over again. I love you guys so much. I'll see you in the morning. Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. Have a terrific Wednesday.